0: Tell, tell us how your Catholic versus your the uh, traditional uh, religions, the local religions you were raised with, conflicted with each other, for you.
1: Uh, for me, primarily, the, the biggest conflict was the mere fact that it wasn't Catholic. <laughs> that was it. Uh, I mean, my first exposure to anything metaphysical um, was my religious upbringing. And then when I started to learn about the folklore stories, it seemed to me as though it was uh, not of the Christian teaching. And so the biggest conflict was this isn't a good thing to partake in. This is bad. This should be avoided. Um, Mostly used for basically doing harm to other people. Hmm. Interestingly enough, Lee... There were times when people would use it to protect themselves as well. And so there was that additional confusion in that people would go visit witch doctors to seek protection for themselves against, you know, some other person that was potentially using the same witchcraft to potentially hurt them. Mm.
0: Was there a name for that faith? It wasn't a particular
1: faith. There were different traditions throughout uh, the different cultures within the country that practiced one form or another of what we would naturally call it witchcraft.
0: Mm. And um, you studied, you turned to yoga and meditation um, to, uh, to kind of clear your own mind and reconcile the different cultural effects that all of, all of these different cultures were having on you between Cameroon and America and uh business school <laughs> i started i started at columbia University school of business it lasted one semester i i personally i couldn't stand it but anyway but so um but then with in in your um meditation you re, you had a Kundalini experience about four years after tell- tell us about that
1: yes so I really started what I called laying in my bed and listening to my body, which eventually turned into this meditation practice in 2013, 2014. And I didn't start it as a spiritual practice. It was a last ditch effort to help me cope with working full time and then going to business school. Um, as, soon as, I start the pra- as soon as I started the practice, I started having this otherworldly spiritual experiences That scared the living crap out of me, Lee. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It really made me very nervous. And I thought that I was literally possessed by, quote unquote, the devil. Um, But I kept at the practice because after every session of sitting and paying attention to my being is what I would really call it, my physical body, my mind, my thoughts, my breathing, I would feel very good at the end of it. Um, yes. What usually stopped me was the unusual experiences. If it went to an, a level that I had not previously encountered, I would stop and then come out freaking out and breathing really heavily. But then after I calmed down, I felt very good. And that was <laughs> that was like uh, wood for the fire to keep going back and, and doing the practice. And I kept at it. For many years, and on August 21st, 2018, I woke up, had this very intense message and knowing to literally go and meditate that morning. Don't brush your teeth. Um, don't pass goal In in, you know, invoking monopoly here was the message. Go right now and meditate. So I did. And whilst meditating, I adopted this yoga pose. Um, and in holding the pose, I felt a burst of energy in the base of my spine, and as soon as the energy burst, it moved right up my spine to the crown of my head, and that occurred in three in three distinct waves, and with each wave, I remembered a huge amount of information, which is what I have ended up uh, writing and publishing as my book, Who and Why You Are, All You Need to Remember. Mm.
0: You have a, a lovely little animated uh, cartoon, I guess I'd call it, on your uh, website of that experience and how at the end of it, you just went out and it looked like you were blissfully aware of the entire world. And um, in a conversation that you and I had not a couple days ago, you said, and I, I took it that you drew this from your experience all earth is like an illusion designed to expand consciousness that's what's going on here you uh, you pose uh, yoga the yoga pose led to a kundalini experience and you are spirit tempor- temporarily in a body or an avatar but um, the duality makes you think it's us against them um, then you rise above it and you see the all and I thought that was a lovely quote. I had to read it back to you. Um, <laughs> did did you find yeah. that? Is that does that pretty much match what the feeling was after you uh, stepped out of doors and uh, and um, saw the light, as it were?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did. I mean, that feeling. There were so many feelings going on within me in 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 the seven minutes that all of this transpired in. I mean besides remembering that all of earth life is this beautiful magnificent illusion designed to help consciousness know itself better i also felt in that moment like the butt to the best joke ever told because up till then i had been taking life so seriously and i know many of us do but once do you remember that it's it's all for play really um even amidst all the pain and suffering that we are all experiencing to different degrees in our own ways, it, you, I just couldn't help it but laugh. I was laughing. I was crying. I was confused. But I felt so much love and so at peace with my entire life's experiences and the circumstances I found myself in in that moment. It's a, it's a tough it's a tough feeling to really describe because, again, at the same time, standing in my doorway, everything looked like the same thing. My car looked like my car, but it was way more than my car. It was basically this intelligence allowing me to drive from one place to another in what I would <laughs> in my mind feel like, oh, that's a safe way to travel. Um, and everything else, there was just way more to it than I believed right up until I had my awakening. So mm. the trees were alive. The wind was alive. The clouds were alive. Uh, my doorway was alive. My hands, my sheets. I mean, everything was.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I i was on a high. I couldn't work the entire week after that. I really oh. couldn't. I was like manically happy, too joyful to function,
0: really. Wow, that's, <laughs> that, that's wonderful. Um, all aspects of consciousness, the car, the tree, the house, the the yard, all. Yeah. Uh, all uh, you're probably familiar with the Matrix movies. Yes. Yes.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Everything <laughs> else
1: took on an entirely different meaning for me after going through this experience. Mm. Um, it's made me appreciate that because this intelligence is literally unfolding itself and experiencing itself in myriad ways, in every single thing that exists if you look at it with a fine-tooth comb or with this from this perspective you'll find a creator in it so the right. matrix is a very good example
0: now to turn to uh, another page in your life i learned from your own podcast that you uh, went down to costa rica uh, to rhythmia and uh, experienced what uh, you were calling plant medicine, which is ayahuasca. And um, and I wanted to ask you, because you've studied pharmacy, what makes ayahuasca work? That's a good question.
1: <laughs> the, the, sci- the best scientific explanation I can provide, and I am in no way an expert on ayahuasca, um, I just want to say that, but it's that it works on... The same receptors that, like LSD or DMT, would work on, and in in the lamest terms, it helps you experience a more expansive reality. So aspects of yourself that you are otherwise closed off to, this lets you peek behind that veil in a in a very nice, safe environment, and usually. In what you would call a spiritual or religious type ceremony, mm.
0: except it it affects the body pretty violently, doesn't it? I mean, you've got the runs, and you you're throwing up at, at some point in the uh, in the adventure.
1: Yes, and that aspect to it, um, it's not necessarily the pharmacy side of it, uh, even though I, I I I can't explain it any more than that, but. A lot of the purging has to do with the release of what you will call emotional pain. And it's very odd that it happens as vomiting or diarrhea. Um, It's particularly even even more odd because prior to partaking in an experience like that, you usually go through a cleanse and you're not eating very much food. And so your bowels, your colon is pretty much clean just like you were going for a colonoscopy or something but oddly enough while you're going through um, an experience like that if you end up healing some emotional pain part of the release <laughs> is purging either vomiting or going through diarrhea some mm. people cry some people laugh there, there's so many ways that it happens
0: the experience as you described it took four nights and you said on your first night, you had some visitations from beings that you couldn't see, but you could feel their presence. And there was a lot of energy work in uh, the root chakra that night. And um, and then you walked outside, and uh, you had the urge to look up at one point. When you looked up, you heard voices saying, basically, we're with you. <laughs> <That> you they. <laughs> There were beings that saw you, and um, th- there were a bunch of them, you said, a bunch of folks, and they, uh, and they, were, they were looking out for you. What, what, do you take those to be angels, or how did you figure that one? Uh,
1: so to this day, I have no idea if they were angels or members of my soul tribe or part of my guides. I have no idea but it was a very vivid experience i mean i was out in the lawn and i had again a sudden urge to just look up at the sky and while i did i heard basically a confirmation and acknowledgement of my presence right where i was and that i wasn't alone and i was you know supported this it wasn't like the kundalini awakening and and while all of that was happening i had the crazy urge to lift my hands up. And when I did, I received this beam of just loving energy come right and hit me in my chest and abdominal area while my hands were up. And I was able to then bring that to heart center. And I felt, uh, it felt as though it was a familiar group of people that Knew who I was and where I was. <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, okay, cool. Why are you guys up there? Come down and say hello or something." And of course, um, while at Rhythmia, they never did. So, but yeah. Wow, wow.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you. Com- I'm glad you compared it to the Kundalini because that's basically what I I wanted to see how these these two experiences differed. But um, I think so, it was. Well, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm happy you asked that. They they definitely differed. Um, One of the reasons I actually decided to partake in the experience was because my ego crept in while I was in Sydney, Montana, and uh, three months or so after having had my spiritual awakening, my ego basically thought, "Okay, I taught myself to meditate," and then years later, I have this spiritual awakening and I remember all this information. So I had my doubts about the validity of the information, particularly because again, from my culture or how I was raised coming from West Africa and Cameroon, meditating is really a taboo. Sitting down and paying attention to your thoughts in uh, you know, either the lotus position or even if you're not in a lotus position, Is not something or an activity that we're raised to partake in. It's more of Eastern traditional beliefs. But the mere fact that I taught myself how to do all of this without a guru, and I was having all these experiences, all these experiences, sorry, and I was uh, successfully, I would say, assimilating the experiences. And I say successfully because I was still, you know, working as a pharmacist and you know, just being productive in society in that regard. After I had the awakening and I'd written a chunk of my book, My Ego Cryptin, like I said earlier, and I just thought, let me go to an environment where I can partake in a spiritual ceremony like this and then go deeper without just my self-taught meditating practice and then see what else I can learn. And that was my, uh, essentially, that was my, motivation to go to arrhythmia. And while I was there, I basically got confirmation of what I had learned. I healed a lot more emotional pains that I had not otherwise healed by just meditating. But then the biggest message I got from um, partaking in plant medicine ceremony was ultimately that When you partake in plant medicine ceremony, what you're doing, Roland, is going outside of yourself to find out who you are. And what you really need to do is remember that that information is, has always been, and will always be within you. So going and partaking in arrhythmia ultimately helped me validate, oh, I'm not saying that word properly, validate (laughs) that uh, (laughs) ideally, a meditation experience is best, and that's what I've I've kept doing.
0: Mm-hmm. You said uh, on night two, a big part of the night was uh, remembering or experiencing hell, and you said it was like deja vu. It was, um, and then I think in our conversation you said hell is experiencing the same thing over and over and over. So tell us about that.
1: Yes, so. Um, with my kundalini awakening i remember that hell was knowing or attaining an expanded level of awareness but refusing to use that awareness to grow and so for me the way it happened on night two at Rhythmia was i was laying in my bed and i would wake up and hear a bunch of sounds and if anyone has ever partaking in plant medicine ceremony the sounds are usually people vomiting, screaming, laughing, crying.
0: <laughs> the background
1: music is absolutely amazing. I mean it's such beautiful music. Uh, people are walking all over the place, wearing different colors um, colored clothes and to me, it looked like the juxtaposition of people wearing white and then people wearing dark clothes and uh, that seeing just kept repeating. So I would get up and I would see the exact same thing, hear the exact same sounds. The music would basically be on a loop. And I would think, oh, I just experienced this. And then I would say, "Okay, this is ridiculous. Then I would fall back asleep and then get right back up and experience the same thing. And every time that this was happening, the frequency of the music kept increasing. So the notes would go up another scale. Another scale. So it was like climaxing and climaxing and climaxing. And then at some point, it just dawned on me that, oh my goodness, this is what hell is. I know better than this. I don't need to pretend as if I've not recognized this. There's no need to go back to sleep. Just recognize it for what it is. And as soon as I had that realization, the scene, the scene shifted. And then everybody went back to Just continuing the actual journey to if they were going to the bathroom or going back to your bed or maybe vomiting or whatever they were doing, the scene continued. But what was particularly odd was that everybody else was going through their own unique experience and it did not necessarily involve um, what I perceived. So that was my own reality that I was experiencing at that time. And as soon as I realized it, the music changed. Um, the, the, it stopped climaxing, and then it just continued back to the next song and everything. And it, it's as though they were waiting for me to realize this before they moved on. But that would be me seeming very egoistical to say the entire experience was dependent on whether or not I recognized hell or not to move on. So
0: but yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, night, you said night three was your was your favorite, and I guess on night three you you learned um, that um, we all make our own choices, and we all have to fix them. Like we all have to rebalance the choices, and every choice we make is a a teach learn opportunity. And and then you went on a little later and said, um, what you do is teaching a what you have to do is try to save yourself because in that process, you're teaching everybody who's observing you. um, You're giving them an experience of, of learning that they can apply to themselves, even though yours, your experience is quite individually your own and, and not theirs, but they will learn from it anyway. And I had this image as you were speaking that it was a, it was like a collective experience that we're all part of the same, unit of being and that, you know, if your right hand learns something, your left hand is learning it too.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's a very good analogy. Again, this intelligence that is the source of everything is everything. There is nothing that isn't the intelligence and there's nothing that can exist or be that isn't the intelligence. Um, You talk about your body. I mean, your body is a functioning cohesive, intelligent machine, because every part of it has a purpose that isn't trying to overtake another purpose. Your hands aren't trying to walk like your legs. You use them for something else. But imagine if you just woke up one day and your hands were like, I'm not gonna work as my hands anymore. I want you to use your hands to be able to see or maybe empty your bowels or something like that. You would think that that's odd. And so all of humanity is basically playing the same role for the infinite all. In each of our uniquenesses, we are helping every other part of the entire existence grow and expand and evolve. And if we know ourselves and we are expressing ourselves to the degree that we are that we are very aware of who we are, then we're helping every other person. Uh, When we're not sure and we're trying to still get to know ourselves or if we are existing well below our potential, then we are unfortunately, but not permanently, um, bringing, we're, we're not supporting every other person as best as we can And I don't want to say unfortunately as though it's a bad thing. It's not. It will always reconcile and fix itself and balance eventually. Um, But we'll best serve as pieces to a puzzle by being the best piece that we can be.
0: You said in that same show that a month later you were back in your apartment at home and one morning you were meditating and these four beings showed up. And uh, you said, I could see them with my eyes wide open. Like standing i mean they were right there mm-hmm. they looked just humongous larger than life and i had just interviewed someone the other day really who had when she saw angels they were like 15 feet tall and i was wondering if that was sort of the idea that that you got from this visit that you had
1: yes you know um earlier when you asked me if though so if i knew who those beings were at rhythmia And I said, I had no idea they never showed up at Rhythmia. When I was in my apartment in January um, in 2019, and these beings showed up, there were three of them. um, The feeling I got was, hmm, maybe these were the guys who saw me at Rhythmia. That was one of the (laughs) feelings, but I I never confirmed it. And I I can't say that for sure. That's just the feeling. Mm -hmm. But these beings were humongously huge. They looked larger than life, but they looked just like me, like human. They were African-American. Um, they were wearing cut-off T-shirts and shorts. So they looked just like me going to play basketball. But they felt very familiar. I did not know their names at all, um, but they just felt familiar, familiar like I, I knew them. And what was really interesting is that they showed up through a doorway in my apartment in a place where there is a wall, like it was a wall separating my kitchen and my living room. And I was laying on the couch in my living room and this being showed up right through that door (laughs) Hmm. and proceeded to sit on the couch with me. And they took turns basically praising me again, telling me I'm doing well and telling me all these things about, past lives. Uh, One thing I remember they said was, oh, this is your sixth time here as a human. You've been a father twice prior to this. They mentioned my sister's name, which I have not asked her, so I'm not going to say it here on the show. Um, They said I'd been very nice to her in previous lives and as well as this life. And I was very surprised that they knew her. Uh, But what was really odd was how they said goodbye (laughs) when they went, done hanging out with me, I guess. They asked if they could give me a hug. And I said, yes. And so I lifted both my hands to hug me. And they basically laughed at me as a no, 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 that's not how we hug. hug." (laughs) 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 And then they took turns looking at me in my eyes, which looked like they were looking straight into my soul, raised their right hands and put it on my right shoulder and basically acknowledged my presence and left. That was how they hugged. And I thought, Wow, this is very, it looks, it seemed very like uh, ancient Romanish, just looking at me and acknowledging my presence and my existence and then turning around and <laughs> walking into the wall. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I laugh because it sounds crazy, but uh, of all the sort of fascinating spiritual experiences I've had, um, that's one I'll never forget because it felt it felt very loving and very, very peaceful. And I mean, the beings were right there with me and, uh, I, yeah, I cherished that moment. I still do. Oh,
0: wow. Well, Roland, it's, we're just about out of time for today. Sadly, thank you so much for, for sharing all of the, uh, all of your experience at such a young age. You are, uh, <laughs> although when you said 28, um, Saturn makes a full return in astrology at, at the year 28 in our lives, and we review our entire previous life and move on from there. So that seemed very appropriate. Uh, Roland, tell um, tell the audience uh, how they can find your website and uh, how they can get a copy of your book.
1: Um, absolutely, yeah. So my website is Roland at Chenjang.com and that's R-O-L-A-N-D-A-C-H-E-N-J-A-N-G.com. My book is available on my website if you want an autographed copy. If not, it's available through any other online retailer, um, paperback, audiobook, as well as the electronic format are available.
0: Terrific. Roland, thanks so much for sharing the story of your uh, STE and uh, your experiences at Rhythmia. And uh, I'm not encouraging people to go. (laughs) Your guest on your podcast, who probably wouldn't mind my mentioning her first name as Hope, said, I would not say it's a super fun experience. (laughs) I think they (laughs) need to be cognizant of the fact that it's going to be a really difficult time. So with that warning <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll bring the show to an end, but